to the Heavy Checklist Podcast. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? It is your pal, Heavy D Sparks, uh, along with my co-host, Mr. DJ Marcus Wing. And tonight, we have got a very, uh, it's an exciting episode because uh, we're going to talk with a good friend of mine. Um, He's also an employee of mine, and he started out as somebody who was just like many of you, a podcast listener um, who took a lot of the principles that we um, have talked about here on the podcast, implemented them in his life, dropped everything he had going, moved across country, and here he is now. And uh, I'm so excited about this because the reason why this is going to be a valuable uh, interview for you guys to listen to is because this is somebody who is literally implementing. He's just, he's, I don't want to call you an average Joe because... He's living it. There's so much more to you than being an average Joe. I'm an average Joe. But this is somebody who um, is literally living the principles that we're teaching, and just like you, Marcus. You know, it's, yeah. it's uh, I think when we first referred to Marcus as kind of like the guinea pig, it was almost like, oh, man, is that, that, that sounds... That sounds demeaning, but it's not. Because I don't take it that way at all. I, I'm also a guinea pig. I'm a guinea pig, and I'm a, I'm a disciple of other people's pod, podcasts and information. When there's good information, you want to listen to it, uh, implement it in your life, and watch the results. And tonight, we're going to share with you the results of um, Mr. Hunter Goodrich. Um, welcome to the show, Hunter. Thank you very much. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, Hunter, if you guys haven't uh, seen him or you don't know, I'm familiar with who he is, um, just picture... Uh, Picture a six foot something, six foot three, four, four. Uh, redhead mullet Florida boy. Well, what's uh, the wingspan again on those arms? We just six went foot face ten. to face. Six foot ten. Yeah. Co-workers just measured me the other week. No kidding. That's a really, little out of proportion. That's long, right? Aren't you yeah. normally the wingspan is your same as your height? Yeah, I'm plus six. He's massive. Bam! So. Look at that. I got a promo video coming out on uh, our Instagram page too that will give you a good visual of uh, our man Hunter. So take a look at that. Yeah, Hunter's the best, guys. Um, So a little bit of background before we get into Hunter's story. Um, He's from Florida, and you're 21. 21. Dang, you're a baby. And um, I don't want to give away your whole story, but uh, I want to kind of abbreviate this for anybody who, you know, kind of wants to understand what the format is tonight. Basically, um, Hunter had his life going. He He was doing, you know, his thing and going to school and all that kind of stuff. And he listened to the podcast and heard some stuff that obviously resonated with him. Literally dropped what he was doing, drove cross country, came up to the um, Heavy Academy that we had down in Vegas in May, and uh, didn't really have much of a plan other than he just knew that he was going to make it work. So um, let's get into it. Uh, Hunter, first of all, how did you hear about us? Where did you come across what we do? Uh, I have been following you all on Instagram back in like the Mega Ram days. Okay, You're building that. So then the... Um, the TV show came out. I was like, oh, I recognize those guys from Instagram. And uh, so been fans of you all for a while. Yeah. And then when you came out with the podcast, it was just natural for me to check that out. Were you a podcast listener before that? No. Honestly, the heavy checklist is what introduced me into personal development in general. Yeah. And actually, you know, thinking I can be very determining of my future. And right. So you can do more. You yeah. like you could, there's things you can do today to become more successful and like take more control of your situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why when I first came across personal development was I kind of grew up around it. My parents were very like, you know, Tony Robbins disciples and just very like uh, encouraging for whatever I wanted to do. But I think the first experience I had was when I watched the secret back at Kenny's house. Um, and Kenny's not here tonight, but uh I think I was 21, 22 years old, fresh off my mission. Have you ever seen The Secret Hunter? Oh, yeah. Um, did you watch it because of one of the podcast episodes? Yes. Nice. Absolutely. What did you think? 
it was it was awesome. I I never thought of law of attraction in general, but it really resonated with me, and I. I'm a big believer in it now. Yeah. I think the reason why it resonates with all of us is because it's something that we already naturally are doing. Yeah. We just identify it as something else, whether it be faith or just, you know, um, good, good, you know, energy, good vibes. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the law of attraction is it's all of those things. Um, and it doesn't matter how you de- de- define it. It's just a matter of how you're using it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to realize, have you noticed, Hunter, that um, if you think – whether regardless of how you use the law of attraction, whether it's for good or for bad, it works. Meaning if you focus on, on not wanting more bills and not wanting that parking ticket and not wanting to get sick, uh, you generally attract more of that negative stuff to you. Absolutely. I actually have a little secret. I haven't told y'all. Let's hear it. But, um, June 2nd, so I've been working here for about a month. Yeah. I literally put on my vision board, the words, get on heavy checklist. Ha. <laughs> That's awesome. And That's I, pretty cool. I didn't go about specifically asking y'all to get on. You didn't I at just, all. I had no idea you wanted to be part of it. In fact, I, yeah, basically, I just I don't wanted, know uh, who it was who tagged you in a post. We said, hey, who do you want to hear on the podcast? And someone tagged you, and I thought, man. That's my homie, Braden Smith. Yeah, I was like, dude, that's a good idea. So, um, yeah, essentially, I just wanted to see if I could put that on the vision board, put my focus on that, and subconsciously, that would just influence me to build the relationships with you and with Marcus that would maybe potentially eventually that's awesome dude here we are behind a microphone and and then you put in the work to make it happen not necessarily because you came to us and said that you wanted to be part of it but you're a good employee you you do what you're supposed to do you work hard and ultimately that led to where we're at today so uh, let's give the listeners a little backstory you're from Florida right yes born and raised outskirts of Orlando and uh, what's your upbringing like? You're, you're raised in a like a very comfortable middle class okay. upbringing. Um, your parents, everybody in your family, fairly educated. Yes, uh, both my parents were engineers. Both my grandfathers were engineers. And I understand that that was kind of the career path that your parents would have liked to see you go down, right? Yeah, it was just basically just understood that. That's as, once I grew up, I'd go to college to be an engineer. How many kids in your family? Uh, me and my sister. Okay. She's two years younger. Okay. Um, so you're the oldest and you kind of, that means that you're, your parents, like, uh, you're like their first one. You're their guinea pig. You're their, you know, first kid you gotta, <laughs> with, the, with the first kid, it's always the parents are the most stressed because it's like, they're learning all these different things about being a parent and you hope you're doing it right. And then your kid does something that you taught them not to do. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, my bad parent. So you're going to school in Florida, right? At college. So Hunter, walk me through what were you doing for school? Um, you're not, you're 21 years old. Were you going to college? Yes. I, it's been a considerable amount of time in college, but, um, it's basically even before college, my parents asked like, Hey, what, what kind of engineering do you want to go into? They just assumed that that was where you're going. So what kind of engineering do your parents do? Electrical. Both of them. Yes. Um, okay. So my response was, I'm not all that interested in actually going to college. I basically, the skills I want to build are, I just want to be able to fabricate anything I want. Right. Cause I had grown up tinkering around the garage. I, uh, built those jet boats that you know about. Yeah, that was my main thing. It, we're going to get into that. Oh, okay. But yeah, I, I 
that's what I did for fun. I was I was raised rurally, rurally. Yeah. So sometimes it was a hassle to get into town, hang with friends. So a lot of times for fun, I just worked with my hands in the garage. But I was just working with hand me down hand me down tools for my grandpa. So right. I was kind of limited. So I just wanted to, you know, be able to build and fabricate anything I put my mind to. Right. So I told them I wanted to go to trade school. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. You're, you're going to go to college. And, really? Yeah. And How'd uh, that conversation go? Was it a, I mean, I come from a family where I've got really smart people. My, 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 I think my brother, my brother definitely has his PhD and his master's. My sister has her master's. Very, very smart people in my family. Um, I have half a semester of college under my belt, but I never did have pressure one way or the other. My parents just, my mom was just sitting here. You saw, she's just, they, I think she just kind of knew that I was going to figure it out, but not all parents are that trusting. And granted, I was the last of four kids. So had I been the first, maybe they would have been a a little bit more like go to college, do this, do that. So what did that conversation look like? Yeah, they were, college worked best for them and they were just trying to, you know, guide me in the way that they thought would work best for me. So did you feel pressure? Yes. Yeah. Um, do they know that? Yeah. You've never really yeah. had that conversation. It, and... it ramped up a lot more once I actually was in college and right. really not enjoying it, but essentially, um, so yeah, basically they agreed to send me to the college of my first choice. And, and what, which wasn't, I mean, your, your first choice was trade school and they said, no. yeah, yes. But we did go to around colleges and, uh, Auburn university in Alabama was my favorite from the tours and there, and, uh, I was able to get, um, enough academic scholarship to get me out of state. And so, so you were a good student in high school. Yeah. School okay. came pretty easy. I got good grades all growing up. What's funny is, so uh, that was, I mean, looking at you, I think people, if they look at you, you look, just, I mean, I want to call it what it is. You look a little bit like a hillbilly. Um, and <laughs> it's I, really the mullet that puts it, it over it's, the top. It's the mullet, but I mean, I don't, and I say that in a, in a good way. Like you have a, you have a distinct look that looks mm-hmm. like, I think when I first saw you and I'll be very, my first impression, I would have never in a million years guessed that you were an engineer. So it's, you know, looks aren't everything, right. They can be deceiving. Mm-hmm. Um, that was part of the reason why they really wanted me to go to college. Cause I was Top to ten percent of my class in high school, and they're like, "Your grades are too good." Right. Got to let's continue this forward. Do something with this. Yeah. yeah. But I just never had the interest to take my future down a path that would require a college degree. Although, how long did you go to school? Because I, I it was so, a while, yeah. right? Yeah. So essentially, I finally, you know, caved in and went to school, and uh, the first semester was fine, just because it was a big change and. I am the kind of guy that likes change. Yeah. But um, soon after, it just turned into me. Uh, I lost my garage, and I was just cooped up in this apartment. Right. Studying information that I didn't really care about. And knowing that I wanted so much more out of life that, and I was on a path that wasn't, that was a complete opposite direction of where I wanted to take things. So... Uh, essentially after the first semester, uh, I, I got into a real funk and, um, you could probably consider it depression. Yeah. Um, I want to say a chemical imbalance, but it was just me feeling stuck on a right. path that I had no interest in being on. And, but if I ever 
So I, I was trying to drop out. This was a year ago, maybe. This was three years ago. Three years ago, okay. I, I did end up being in college for three whole years. Wow. So um, just battling through this. So um, what kept me in college was if I ever dropped out, it would wreck my relationship with my parents. Right. So, and I valued my re- relationship with my parents. I loved them. And uh, so I, I kept trudging along. But, yeah, I mean, it was just a lot of stress going for my parents to keep my grades up so I can keep my scholarship. And school, you had to, it's not getting any better for you. You're not getting no. – I mean, you can – you're the type of guy where you put your mind to it. You can get the grades if you need to, but inside you're dying. Yes. Yeah. So essentially after three years of this, I finally get to the point of, you know, if I drop out and it hurts my relationship with my parents, I'll – figure out how to reconcile it in the future, but I got to get off this path and start living my life instead of my parents' plan for my life. Right. And um, essentially that timing was uh, you were putting on the second heavy, heavy academy. Right. And um, Man, I got I to gotta stop you real quick. <laughs> it's so crazy. Don't, I thought this only happened in movies. You know what right. I mean? Like the controlling parents that are like, Go to school, Pack be this guy, be up. that got to be a doctor, got to be a, be a lawyer. Like, I never thought that was, I, I never had to deal with that because my parents were, like I said, just a little bit more like, all right, we trust you. But there's guys like you and a lot of people probably listening that are like, man, I, <laughs> I feel that pressure, whether it's from your parents or from a spouse or from a friend, you feel pressured into doing something that somebody else thinks is the right move for you and you don't want to let them down. So you do it even though it doesn't make you happy and you know probably deep down inside that it's not the right move for you. But the problem is, dude, a lot of people get stuck in that. They get stuck in that funk where it's just like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm not going to disrupt the status quo. I got to keep everybody Mm -hmm. happy and I don't want to just, you know, ruin relationships. So that is, I think (laughs) I don't want to overlook how big of a deal that is that you just like one day were like, all right, you know what? I'm going to make the decision because I think a lot of people get stuck in that. Mm -hmm. So, Essentially, yeah, at the end of the ticket sales for the Second Heavy Academy, you did this uh, thing where you offered to get enter in to win a half-off ticket. Right. So I went ahead and entered in just for the heck of it. Tickets weren't cheap either. We're talking the first Academy was six grand for a ticket. Second one was like uh, 2500 three grand or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even half-off was like 1500 bucks. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember just casually praying to God, being like, if it's your will for me to – get a ticket and this be my time to drop out and we basically start over in life and figure something out, then let me get a ticket. So essentially that was that. And then uh, exam week was up. Uh, So I've been studying for that. Went to my first exam, got out, uh, got an email saying I got a half off ticket. So I was like, holy smokes, I... I mean, I prayed about it. This I guess I, it. I guess this means I, I got to do it. Yeah. And um, it was right as I was about to head into another exam. So I did go into that exam, spent like 10 minutes on like a three-hour exam, <laughs> hustled out of there, got back to my apartment, <clears throat> packed the bag, hopped in my 35-year-old truck, Yeah. started driving west. No way. Same day? Then, that night. Get out of here. Yes. So that was Monday night. <sighs> I see, guys, you got to understand, uh, Hunter's worked for me for oh, 11 months. 11 months. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've 
I know some of his story, but a lot of what you guys are hearing is is I'm hearing for the first time as well. So uh, don't mind if I'm like excited and fascinated because this is cool. <laughs> so yeah, um, uh, when I when I got the ticket, I did uh, call my dad and I was like, "Hey, I got a ticket to the Heavy Academy. I, I mean, I'm I'm going. I'm uh, sorry if that hurts y'all, but I gotta." get a grip on my life and take it where I want to go. And well, the problem was I didn't actually have a plan. I just, this was my door out. I felt so. Yeah. Um, by, by not having a plan, it meant you knew really nobody on the West coast. I had never been more West than Alabama my entire <laughs> life. So driving a truck that probably wouldn't, uh, most people wouldn't drive across the country. Nah, no. and we'll post yeah. some pictures here on the page so yeah. you guys can get, uh, get an idea of, of, of what we're talking about with Hunter. But mm-hmm. uh, his truck is 35 years old. It's a old Ford. Um, it's IDI, right? So mm-hmm. it's a it's the old Ford diesel. Uh, the IDI is not notorious for being a real powerhouse, and they just kind of sometimes start and sometimes don't. And <laughs> it's it's an extended cab, two wheel drive with a camper shell, right? Camper shell got on it after I moved out here. Okay, all right. But, um, so yeah. So I drive a couple hours that night, uh, crash on in like a rest area. And then, yeah, essentially I just drive, drive, drive. Uh, then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I make it all the way to Vegas on Thursday afternoon. Academy was Friday and Saturday. Right. So, but yeah, uh, back in like when I was in New Mexico, trucks started running rough. <laughs> um, you're supposed to replace the injection pumps on those engines every, yeah. like, 100,000 miles. I was out, like, 155,000 <laughs> on the original pump. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, yeah, I, I called my dad, and I was like, just to give him an update, my truck's running pretty crappy, so hopefully I make it. But um, I remember telling him, like, you know, it would be so cool if I uh, got to meet Dave and if I could limp it up to his shop and I, I could just – work on his back lot and fix what I need to fix. And then my dad was like, you, you really think that's reasonable? Like you should probably keep your expectations lower. Mm. And, um, so yeah, what did you, what did your bags look like? Did you pack enough to go for a week, for a month, for a year? One duffel bag. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just, you didn't, did you, did you have to, did you have to like trick yourself into not thinking too much into it? Yes, honestly, what played a lot into it is uh, Checklist Episode 3 with Rich Haggett. Yes, I was just be, about to say that. You got to be dumb enough to think you can do it. Yeah, that's that, awesome. That hit me really hard because I had spent my whole life being smart, so to speak. Right. Too I, smart. Yeah. So I have been raised from parents and grandparents to say, uh, gather all your data, right. make a very informed decision on which uh, path is going to give you the best chance of succeeding. Right. Which is what an engineer and a smart person would do. I've never personally been able to to form those calculations. I mean, I do now in business. I take a closer look. But I just, I have a tendency to err on the side of, no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be successful. And so I, I have that mentality of, I'm going to make it no matter what. And it sounds like that's kind of the approach that you decided to take. But when you're young and you haven't had a ton of experience, that's a harder decision to make. Mm-hmm. So basically, after I heard that on the 
that checklist episode. Um, and then I got to this crossroads of, do I drop out, drive all the way across country, go to this academy, and then have no plans with my life after that? Sounds like a good decision. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Let's put this, this idea to the test. So, yeah, um, I make it to Vegas, and I, the academy was awesome. Really wish I had a business to go back and <laughs> enact all that information towards. But um, uh, the academy was a success for me because it was, it was my door out. Right. That it's, it acted as a door that I've been looking for for the past three years. Right. So essentially at the end of the academy, um, everybody could line up and meet the diesel bros. And um, instead I went over to Marcus and I was like, hey, Marcus, uh, could I help take down the stage? I love that. That's, so, a, that's a key move right there. So, yeah. Um, I started packing stuff up and load stuff in the trailer and me and Marcus get to talking about how I just dropped out of school and drove all the way out here to make it here. And um, also my parents had kind of kicked me out of the house for making this right. decision. Um, they were like, if you drop out, don't expect to come back to our house. I was wow. like, can I shower there? And then I, they were like, nope. Can I use the garage and your tools. Nope. They're like, nope. Wow. And they're like, because if we let you do any of this, that's us su- supporting your decision. Right. And we just want you to know that we are 180 degrees wow. against you doing this. So, so yeah. Anyway, so then Marcus was like, oh, okay, dude, you're, you're real deal. I'm going to personally introduce you to the Diesel Brothers. And um, so he did that. But you all had already soared through like 200 people. So right. it was a long it was, day. It was a long day. It was a long day. So, that, uh, so you cycled through me. But then I went back to Marcus and I was like, uh, hey, man, my truck's running really rough. I know what parts need to be replaced, but do you think you could ask Dave if I could limp it up to his shop and I'll work in the back corner of his parking lot and I can give him some free labor in return? And, and uh, Marcus is like, sure, I'll see what I can do. So that's a hard, just so everybody listening understands, that's a hard barrier to break through. Like I, <laughs> we've kind of formed a wall of uh, people and, and systems around us because being in the limelight and, and having the success that we've had, everybody wants to get a hold of us. Everybody, like, how many people have called you over the years, Marcus? Uh, I could show you texts on my phone from the past week of people wanting me to contact you for some sort of favor. Right. And that's, it's never ending. And, and I'm okay with it because it's, it kind of comes with the territory. But at the same time, we just can't process all those requests. No. And so it's really, really hard. Um, and people listening to this who have tried, you know how difficult it is to get a hold of us and get in touch. So the fact that, um, you know, you're able to break through that barrier. And honestly, dude, had you just pushed Marcus and said, put me in touch, put me in touch. I want to meet him so bad. I really want to. Marcus yeah. would have like blown you off. No big deal. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you jumped up and created value, uh, you know, it goes into like that podcast we did with Redbeard talking about becoming an employee that uh, you don't have to ask for a raise. You just get a raise because you're doing the right things. And so you did the right thing, whether you knew that you were doing it or not, or it, sometimes it's int- intentional. Sometimes it's just you're, you've got the right, you know, energy and, and, and the right situation. But for everybody listening Pay close attention to what he's saying. Don't go ask for something and just ask for it. And he wasn't, dude, he wasn't like flaunting or like dangling this story out in front of me. 
it wasn't him saying, yo, I just left my house and, you know, I, I, I did this and this. I almost had to like pull it out of him. I right. kind of pried the conversation and he was talking in a manner that was like him not even like trying to get anything out of it, just being super humble. And so I don't think I've ever taken anybody's request and to like to, to ask you something and right. actually done it because... No, I don't remember if you ever have actually. No, because number one, I would never put our relationship in jeopardy and I don't think that there's ever been someone who's come to me with enough, you know, I, I don't know. There's just been a lot of like petty, dumb things that people have asked me to ask you. And uh, Hunter was the first one that I was just like, oh my gosh, this kid has been listening to the heavy checklist and he's doing everything that we're talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think there's anyone more deserving of, of a shot, you know, to, to to live his dreams, you know? Yeah, and that's ultimately kind of where this started leading is obviously what happened there after the, the whole fix the truck in the parking lot thing? Um, well, after 10 minutes knowing me, Marcus Venmo me 250 bucks. He's a man. <laughs> we didn't need to even talk about that, but <laughs> what was that for? I didn't know that. Help him get uh, by. Help me get on my way. Because you, you'd spend all your money on a ticket and diesel yeah. out here. So And your parents weren't sending you anymore. No. And you weren't working. No. Did not know where money was. I was so it was either was selling your booty on the street in Vegas or, <laughs> or I would literally go to Walmart and get like the one dollar baguette loafs. Wow. And that's what I would eat on my Well then I thought, you know, here. it made most sense. You know, Chet lives there in Mesquite and he's got a little shop. So I uh called Chet to see if he could take his truck and limp it up to Mesquite to try to fix it. So it would uh, kind of kind of a, a simple way. I mean, Vegas to Mesquite's an hour, right. you know, where, you know, Vegas to uh, Salt Lake City's six, yeah. six and, and a half. In a yeah. good running vehicle. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is where the story takes a fun little uh, rabbit hole that comes right back. So, yeah, I go to Mesquite and because uh, Chet and Goon's Garage was there. Chet's and, a guy that used to work for me, just anybody who doesn't know. Chet and Tyson and Ruth, um, great dudes, hardest working guys I've ever known. Um, Chet decided that uh, after a couple of years working here, he wanted to take a shot at open his own shop. So he opened Goon's Garage down in Mesquite, Nevada, and his brother Tyson is uh, working with him. So that's that's currently where they're at, what they're doing, and, and that's who we're talking about here. Yeah. So once I got to Mesquite, I was dinking around on some dirt roads, and I actually ended up burying my truck in some sugar sand. <laughs> so, but I had gotten Chet's contact info from the academy. So I was like, Chet, this is Hunter from the academy, and uh, I'm in Mesquite, but I buried my truck. <laughs> Do you think there's, there's any way you could come pull me out? He's like, uh, sure, man. Yeah, I'll be there in a sec. So he comes in a big mega cab commons. And uh, we end up burying his truck. <laughs> so he calls his brother Tyson and uh, another Commons. Uh, Tyson pulls Chad out. They daisy chain together and pull me out. And uh, so after all that uh, was done, I was like, hey, I'd love to come by your shop tomorrow. And in return for you pulling me out, I'll give you some free labor. And they're like, yeah, sure, come on by. So, yeah, the next day I... Uh, worked there for half a day and I uh, pulled a transmission out of a Jeep, replaced a part in it, and put it back in. And um, in the meantime, uh, Chet made an Instagram post that uh, basically reached out to uh, any other shops in the area trying to find me some work because Chet and Tyson were still a young shop. And right. They wanted to, be, wanted to bring me on, but they weren't. 
They're too small. Yeah. At that point. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, he makes this post reaching out to any other shops. And uh, so in the meantime, we have Marcus sputtering up Dave. Dave sees this post and comments, have him get in touch with me. So I commented on it, right? Yeah, I said yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so then, yeah, halfway through that day of working for Goon's Garage, I get a call from Hans. Yeah. And he was like, hey, man, we love to offer your job. If you can come up here, Sparks Motors tomorrow, we'll start you. We'll try you out for two weeks, and if we like you, we'll keep you around. And I've been here for 11 months now. Yeah, you guys got to realize, listening to this, this is not this is not like a, a normal thing. This doesn't happen. We have thousands and thousands and thousands of people that contact us every single day, either wanting something from us, whether it be a job or to whatever. So we just don't have the ability to process all these requests. And so normally we just don't even look at them because for sure, how, how do we do it? I so, understood that. And, it's the I fact very fortunate. Yeah, I mean, you, you somehow it, it all lined well, up. Well, the thing is, it's not a coincidence. I think the, the purpose of this podcast tonight, guys, is to help you understand that if you implement um, not just one, but kind of what you just said, daisy chain. Daisy chain means you're hooking one to another to another, and everything is is working in unison. If you daisy chain these ideas together and these concepts that's when it starts working. You can't just pick and choose like, yeah, I'm going to use power positive thinking and then just think positively and then not do anything like, no, then you got to do the hard work of being dumb enough to take the risk of leaving a comfortable scholarship position and a family that supports you. I mean, dude, when you left, you probably, I think what I remember first hearing, and I don't know how, you know, what the actual relationship was, but I remember hearing like this kid's parents pretty much just kind of disowned him and kicked him out of the house because he packed up and left. I don't want to, I definitely don't want my parents to be painted in a bad light from all this. No, right. I've, I've, um, I've worked with your parents. Your parents yeah. are awesome. They, they're definitely not the enemies of this story. Right. They are. They want what's if, best for you. If I was a normal kid, they would get best parent award. Yeah. It's down. just an older yeah. school mentality of thinking, I think. Like, that's sure. the way a lot of these older, you know, generation have been raised. As you go to college, you get the job, and that's what you do. And I right. think that uh, it's just now coming to light that, that that's not the only path, you know? Mm-hmm. No, so your parents obviously have more. They're more open to what you're doing now, and they've, 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 they've. You've been home since, mm-hmm. right? And how's your relationship with them now? It is pretty good. Yeah. It uh, it's not as good as it could be, and it's 100 percent my fault why it's not to that point. Right. They've honestly been very mature and selfless through all this to um accept this as my new life and right. They're very happy that I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yes, to be honest, I'm still working through a little bit of bitterness on my side. That's right. That is holding the relationship back. But You'll yeah, need to listen to I'm episode uh, 25 coming up then. Checklist item. Oh, yeah. Remember? Right. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, to help you out a bit. Got some good stuff coming up. Cool. So what have you learned throughout all of this? Uh, I've learned to not hold myself short. Yeah. Um, Because, I mean, I was in New Mexico spinner and sputtering, and my dad was like, figure it out. uh, Be reasonable. Don't don't think you can, you know, go fix your truck at Sparks Motors. Mm -hmm. And now I've... I have a job here at Sparks yeah. Motors. So. Yeah, and he's he's and, one uh, of our greatest guys, just for the listeners to understand. Like, And the funny thing is, 
he's not here necessarily turning wrenches every day and he's not just like a mechanic because that's not what you wanted to become. You wanted to be able to fabricate and stuff like that, but everything kind of comes full circle because you're technically an engineer here. You engineer things, parts and pieces. Um, you know, they're not electrical engineering like what your parents do and they're not, you're not designing bridges and things like that, but you're doing intricate one-off um Cool. Do a lot of SolidWorks design. Yeah. Dude, when I found out that you knew how to drew, draw in SolidWorks, which is, uh, for the listeners, it's, it's basically a uh, computer um, uh, drawing software that engineers use to draw intricate parts and pieces. When I found out you knew to, how to use that, I'm like, whoa, wait, what? That hillbilly kid from Florida, like, <laughs> he, knows how to, he knows how to use that stuff. It's very cool. So um, if, you, if, if Hunter from, if you were, if you, were you know, recording an episode uh, and delivering it to Hunter from two years ago, what advice would you give him? Build the life you want. Oh, you, you can't live somebody else's life. That's not where happiness is going to be. Right. Um, and once you do make that jump and find this happiness and fulfillment from you being on the path you want to be, hold on to that happiness yeah. and uh, keep that nurtured. Because that's, especially from being, um, you know, going through that funk through college and that depression. And, um, then getting a job at Sparks Motors. I was the happiest person on earth. Yeah. And um, I wanted to make sure I stayed that way. Right. So a lot of people would consider me probably the happiest guy in the shop. Yeah. Um, and I can go into that if you... Yeah, definitely. So uh, that I've, I've been taught a lot um, just by necessity, essentially. So... Maybe after about one or two months working here, um, all my coworkers were comfortable with this new guy being around. And, um, you know, there's shop banter, jokes being thrown around. And um, I ended up getting a lot of jokes made about me, mm-hmm. which was not uh, mean or anything. They're not malicious. I know. No, it's, it's, it's just setting, it's just good shop banter. Yep. So, but... Uh, I, I gave him a lot of ammunition because I was a big goofball. Mm-hmm. So um, essentially, uh, it didn't bother me at first. It never really did. But it it turned into kind of a lot of negativity right. being thrown my way. Mm-hmm. So um, eventually, I felt that wearing down on me after like two months of working here. Right. I was like, no, 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 I can't. It, this can't. My happiness can't be going away. Right. I, I need to. I don't want to. I've been depressed. Right. I don't want to go anywhere back to there. So essentially, I um, started digging into like a lot of research into subconscious and um, kind of rewiring that. And I wanted to figure out because, I mean, a lot of people will say, like, get out of negative environments, but this is my work. And my coworkers going to be the way they were. And so I, I need to get creative in how I'm going to, uh, you know, succeed in this environment. Right. So essentially that led me to, um, instead of, if, if there'd be a joke made about me, um, I would essentially, they, them, Sorry, I need to figure out how to You're articulate good. this better. You're good. Um, 
essentially them them making fun of me would be evidence evidence to me that their life wasn't as good as it could be if they got to be putting somebody down to oh, yeah, put them pull them up. So um, whenever they would do that, I would get a kick out of it because I'm bringing them happiness. Yeah. And wow. So wow. So literally, I just dug into my subconscious and uh, told myself this negativity <laughs> towards me is positive because, uh, I mean, it didn't really bother me. And I never really dished it back. Right. Because uh, I didn't get a kick out of it. But that, so essentially, the more negativity that got brought on me, the happier I got because I was bringing them more happiness. Wow. So. That's wild. Are you hearing that? Yeah. That's, that's a like, pretty selfless way to look at things, I, man. Dude, no, that's like, like, I feel like I'm talking to, the, to a wise man of a tribe or something. Right. Like, that's, that's. That, that is that is very, very mature thinking. That is something that uh, I don't think many 21-year-olds 21, 21 are able to Definitely grasp. not be capable of doing that. I, even That's like even kind of like mind-blowing for me to hear it because it's just a, it's a unique way to approach it. And you're right. It's, um, you know, for whatever reason, people razz you or give, you know, other people a hard time. Um, they've got their different reasons and motives for it. But what it boils down to is, somebody's expending energy on you it's energy regardless and so mm-hmm. the fact that they're depleting their battery for whatever reason it is um means that you mean something to them and and it means something to them to be able to like expel that you know expend that energy on you so uh, the fact that you were able to like turn that into something that was fuel for you mm-hmm. is very interesting it's a very very interesting concept and i wish Actually, I hope every single listener is listening to this. If you're in a situation where you're feeling, you know, whether it be picked on or whatever, um, flip that into what can fuel you. You know what I mean? That's that's wild, man. I'm, my mind's still actually kind of blown thinking about that. So, very cool. And uh, my coworkers are a fun bunch. I definitely love working with them, um, and I'm laughing with them at all this. They're very funny, and. Um, they're a rough, rough group of guys. I love sure. my guys. They're, they're my shop dudes are like some of my closest buddies. But I would not want to work with any other team, though. Hell no. And I wouldn't want any other team building my vehicles and working for me. Um, but shop life is, I mean, it's rough. It's, it's, these, these guys are, I've got, uh, you know, uh, ex-military veterans. Um, I've got a bunch of Ohio farm boys. I mean, you name it, I've got pretty much one of everything out there. And uh, uh, you got to, like... There's been guys that come in here and only last for a week or two because they get that little, you know, hazing or whatever it is and they can't handle it and they're gone. So, uh, I'm proud of you for being able to like figure out how to like work through that and turn that into something that was a positive rather than just something that totally derailed your plans and your dreams because you'd come, you'd come too far for something to derail you. And the fact that you realized that and knew that it's very cool. I actually give them ammunition these days. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, they, the mullet probably is. <laughs> oh, yeah. The mullet came around last September. Yeah. You walking in uh, the shop in like a Speedo or something? No. <laughs> but um, I got one you can borrow if you need it. Yeah. <laughs> Dave's got a couple pictures of those. In my wedding video. Back in the day. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, so yeah. what's next for, for Hunter? Dude, I'm not sure. I don't. I'm, I'm done planning. Like, Is there anything the on your vision board? Absolutely. The vision board's. You mind sharing any of those items? 
Sure. I mean, it's a $15 million vision board at this point. Love it. So should be an interesting future. They only but get, uh, I'll they, pull it out. They only get more expensive as time goes on. Oh, yeah. It's an album on my phone. But um, he is a listener. Yeah. <laughs> He's got his vision board in his pocket ready to go. In an album on his phone, which is the thing that I talked about. One, like, that's, a, that's, that's rad. I love it. Get on heavy checklist. We can cross that one off today. Nice. Um, or some things that I... Which are. we have 20... This will be episode 26. Right. You got to think about that. We only have 26 episodes, and you're one of 26. And we, this is the, over the span of almost like a year and a half, right? A year and a half, yeah. Um, so that's that's a big deal. It's an exclusive I group. I board before this. Yeah. I... Yeah. Um... Essentially, I don't know. There's some things that I don't want to disclose to the public. I'm, I'm 100 percent with you. There's, there's. I got some, some particular plans. I have my private board, my 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 public board. So, so uh, a lot of it's giving back to my church in Alabama. I believe this is the only reason why I spent time in Auburn, Alabama. Yeah, because I got plugged into an awesome church there. What Auburn, church is it? Auburn Community Church. Like a Christian church or? Yeah, yeah. non-denominational. Um, honestly, a lot. What fueled me to make the jump out west was probably half heavy checklists and half from this church. Yeah. Um, they YouTube all their sermons these days. Mm-hmm. So you can, uh, they, they did this, um, uh, this sermon series called Declaring War on Inaction, hmm. like the April before I made the jump. Wow. And uh, so I, it, it was good. It was like God moves when we move, bold faith. And it was just, it was cool to have that sermon series Declaring at that time. Declaring war on inaction. That's pretty yeah. cool. So um, essentially I just went through how God's not just going to lay out a perfect life for you. Nah. He's, he's, I think he gets a kick out of uh, seeing it, how how bold we'll go and how much faith we'll put in him to actually uh, make it make us turn out. Because God has a way bigger plan for us than we can ever imagine. Right, but he's not just, he's not just going to let us fall no. into it. No, but he he dreams way bigger lives than we dream oh, yeah. for ourselves. So, um, essentially, yeah, through those. That sermon series, heavy checklist. Boom! I get a ticket to the heavy academy, and I'm just going. I'm going to go for it. Let's see what happens. It, on paper, it makes no sense. Yeah. But I'm going to have faith that this is all going to work out, and it worked out so much better than I even dreamed of. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna do your part. You're gonna you're gonna put in the work, and mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna have those those dreams and those goals and those ambitions. And then uh, once you've done everything you can do, then you just know that God's gonna see that. He's gonna accept that, and he's gonna he's gonna do what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. Which it's it's easier for him than it is for us, uh, which is nice because as soon as we basically fulfill our end of the bargain, God snaps his fingers and says, "There you go." Yeah, and it's it's pretty cool. It's it's it, I've noticed in my life that it happens very immediately. Um, and I'm not going to tell everybody to expect things immediately, but God, I think God knows how I am and he knows my, my, my threshold of patience. And I think he knows that, you know, something that somebody would wait 
you know, another person would wait five years for, he knows that I might only have the patience for a year. And it's, it's, it's not necessarily um, that I get things that I don't deserve. It's just uh, God knows each one of us really, really well. He knows mm-hmm. our personality. He knows our behaviors. He knows what we're going to do next. And um, he waits for us to do the hard things and make those sacrifices so that he can then in turn give us what we're waiting for, which is usually, well, not usually, but sometimes it's things that we don't even know that we need or, or want. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he knows us better than we know ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that's a powerful thing. Um, Hunter, it's a pretty cool story, man. It's very it's uh, compelling. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of listeners, kids your age, and hell, they don't even have to be your age. They could be younger or way older. It's all about, um, I think when we get to the checklist items of the podcast tonight, the item that I would add, which is probably the biggest thing here, is is uh, like what you said, take that first step of that leap of faith. Um, whatever it is, if you're thinking about doing something, whether it's starting a business or dropping out of school or going to school or getting in, you know, whatever it is, if you get a good feeling about it and, you know, you feel like it's, it's going in the direction that you want to go, take that step jump off that cliff, drive that old truck to, to Las Vegas and, <laughs> and hope for the best, right? So uh, it's, it's, uh, we've talked about this action item and this checklist item quite a bit, but I think it's a good one to remind people of is, is do that hard thing that you think is going to make you happy as long as it's a healthy you know, thing. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't go do drugs because they're hard. Mm-hmm. Like, make sure that you're obviously you know, putting yourself in, in good situations. But um, Hunter, is there any checklist items that you would add? Um. Sure. Another trick I do around the shop mm-hmm. to keep my morale up is you've mentioned it before, like smiling in the mirror or yeah. whatnot. Oh yeah. What I'll do is I'll man if I if I'm getting frustrated and I notice it, I'll manually start growing a grin on my face. Yeah. And by the time it teeth even start showing, it just is automatically smile on my face. Smile, I, yeah. I don't know why. I uh my, parent, my uh, coworkers probably think I'm crazy if they see me over in the corner just smiling away <laughs> like a madman. But um, even if it's forced at first, just yeah, a manual a manual smile creates automatic happiness. I agree. That's what I would say. So, so uh, smile, force a smile, and then it'll yeah, turn into start, a smile. Start growing a grin. Yeah. See where it goes from there. I like that. Uh, any other items? Um. I've got one, sure. and it's from, you know, based on Hunter's story, but I would say be authentic Yeah. Uh, because if he would have handled this any other way, I don't think the opportunities and the doors would have opened, wow. but uh, seeing Hunter and uh, feeling kind of his story without it being like thrown at you, right. just him being him, I think uh, opened a lot of doors for him. So I think that uh, in whatever you're doing, whether it's work or relationships or whatever it is, just be authentic. Let your personality shine through. Um, don't force things and just be who you are. And I think that it'll uh, open a lot of doors. Every single time. Not just think. It will every single time. Yep. The minute you try to be somebody or something that you're not. Or, or like what you think somebody wants you to be. That's, that's the hardest part is we're all held to these weird standards, usually more in our head than even in real life. You know, we think that somebody wants us to be a certain way. And maybe sometimes we do have pressure from parents or whatever. But um, just know that usually in your head, it's a way bigger deal than it is in real life, especially yeah. if you were to maybe go the opposite direction or the direction that you feel like you need to go. So anything else, Hunter? 
Um, you guys, I, I wish you could here. see Hunter right now. The wheels are just turning in his head, and I know that as soon as we turn the microphones off, he's going to have 900 different <laughs> things. So I want to have him probably compile a list of, of things that he's he's worked through and things that have helped him because – uh, there's there's more to this you know redheaded hillbilly kid from Florida that than than you know meets the eye. Um, yeah. In an effort to keep the podcast consolidated, and obviously we try to make sure that these things don't run on too long. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up, but with those items, I hope everybody can actually hear the sincerity in Hunter's voice and the, and his story and what he actually experienced and is currently still experiencing. He's by no means made it, uh, but neither none of us have. I don't feel like I've made it, and and. This Truth is chapter told, one. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you feel like you've made it, that's when that's when it's you're in for a rude awakening, in my personal opinion. Uh, don't ever get complacent. Keep pushing. Keep grinding, and uh, make those you know difficult decisions. So, Hunter, thank you for having us. Thank you for being a kick-ass employee. Thank you for being uh, a good example of just somebody who's always happy, always stoked. Um, I think your personality is contagious. And I think uh, everybody, if you want to follow Hunter's journey and kind of see what's next, follow him on Instagram. It's uh, at hunt underscore SMCO. Um, he's on there. Uh, just Or just type in Hunter Goodrich. And uh, I think you'll be thoroughly, thoroughly uh, entertained by what this guy's got going on. We didn't even get into some of the wild stuff that when he crashed his boat on the Green River and I went and searched for him in the helicopter, there's, there's all kinds of good time. There's all kinds of fun things about Hunter that, uh, I think people will learn more and more about. So thank you for joining us and, uh, we will talk to you guys soon.